Welcome to Gospel Truth with Andrew Womack, a teaching ministry that focuses on God's unconditional love and grace. We have a better covenant upon better promises, and we have a better relationship with God. All these things we strive for and work for and hope for and pray for, we already have those things because Jesus gave it all to us. And now, here's Andrew. Welcome to our Wednesday's broadcast of The Gospel Truth. This week, I've started talking about living in the balance of grace and faith. This is the very first book that I ever produced. I tell you, this has transformed my life and the lives of thousands and thousands of other people. I tell you, it's just amazing how the body of Christ tends to get on extremes, on tangents, and yet the Word of God balances itself out. We can't take one truth at the exclusion of any other truth. That becomes heresy. All heresy is is just one truth taken to the exclusion of another. Did you know all of the different denominations that we see today? There is a truth in every one of these groups. But usually the things that the reason that there is so much division is because they take one truth at the exclusion or at, to the extreme of other truths and it causes this division and error. And basically the body of Christ has either focused on God's part, which is grace, or they have focused on our part, which is faith, and they don't combine the two. To really receive the supernatural power of God in our lives, we have to understand that God by grace has already provided everything, but we have to respond in faith to what God has done. Now those terminologies may not really ring your bell, but I can promise you that the truths that I'm presenting right here are something that every single person watching this program needs to deal with. This is something that is very, very beneficial. And I'm asking you to just open up your heart and let God speak to you because this could change your life. It's changed mine. In Ephesians chapter 2, here's a very familiar passage of Scripture. But you know, sometimes the Scriptures that we know the most, the ones that we've heard the most, we get so familiar with them we don't understand what they're saying. We don't really think about it. But this says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. This makes it very clear that you are saved by grace through faith. You are not saved by grace alone. And I know that that statement is just a radical, shocking statement to many people. Let me just back up to Ephesians chapter 2. And it says in verse 5, Even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ, and then in parentheses, by grace ye are saved. So in the context right here, it uses this terminology and says you are saved by grace. It is not completely wrong to say that you're saved by grace because it is God's grace that saved us, but it is technically wrong to say that you're saved by grace alone. You aren't saved by grace alone. You are saved by grace through faith. Right here in context, it puts it into its proper perspective. Let me turn over and read this verse to you out of Titus chapter 2, verse 11. It says, For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. Now think about this. If grace alone saved, then all men would be saved because God's grace that brings salvation has appeared 
unto all men. That doesn't mean that it's just available for all men, but it has actually been presented to all men. Every person who has ever lived upon this planet has had God's grace appear unto them. God has revealed it unto them. Now, I could get off on a sidetrack here. I'm not going to do it, but I'll just mention that some people say, well, it's not fair. Some people have never heard and all of these things. Every person has heard enough directly from God that they are accountable. Romans chapter 1, verses 18 through 20 makes that point very clearly that even His eternal power and Godhead are intuitively known so that they are without excuse. In Psalms chapter 19, it says, The heavens declare the glory of God. The firmament showeth His handiwork. Day unto day uttereth speech. Night unto night showeth knowledge. There is no speech. There's no language, no tongue, no place on earth that this voice of creation hasn't gone out to. So anyway, I'm not going to spend time on that, but the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared unto all men. If grace alone saved then all men would be saved. But obviously, that's not true. Jesus Himself said that there would be more people who reject salvation than there would be who accepted it. And so Jesus right there prophesied and showed you that not all men are saved or are going to be saved. Why? Because it's not just grace alone that saves. If it was just grace, then every person would be saved. But you have to be saved by grace through faith. You have to put faith. You have to embrace. You have to receive. You have to reach out and take what God has made available to you. And there are multitudes of people who desire a right relationship with God, but they have believed a lie that it's based on, you know, these other religions and they there are people today who believe that if you go out and kill people in the name of Allah, that that grants you a place in heaven. That's a lie. It's not true. I know that there's some people, oh, you can't say that. Well, I just did say it, and it is true. I tell you, I've been kicked off of uh, television stations. I've been banned from certain nations They've taken my program off the air because of statements like that, but that is absolutely true. There is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. I think that's Acts chapter 4. It says that Jesus himself said that there, he was the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but by him. There is only one way to God, and that is through the Lord Jesus Christ. There aren't multiple paths to God. There is only one path. And people who say that there's multiple paths unto God, they do not understand the holiness of God. They do not understand the severity of our sin and our separation. And they think that somehow or another we can atone for our own sins by just being good, by going through rituals, by doing certain things. None of those things appropriate salvation. The only way you can be saved is to have all of your sins placed upon somebody else and them suffer your punishment for you. And Jesus is the only one who's ever done that. And you have to put faith in Him. You have to receive what God has done. And that's the only way unto God. And anyway, I could get off and teach on that. But it says, The grace of God that brings salvation has appeared unto all men. God's grace has has been apparent 
to every person on this planet. They reject it. They believe other things. They believe that if I'll just go to church, if I'll shave my head, if I'll take a tin cup, if I'll put on a saffron robe, if I'll beg, if I'll deny myself, if I'll do this, if I'll sit in a lotus position and go home and there's all of these other different things, but I'm telling you, none of that works. God's truth about salvation has appeared unto all men, but not every person has responded positively to it. That's what the Bible calls faith. Instead, they believed lies, they're doing other things, and because of it, not everybody is saved. So it's very obvious that grace alone doesn't save. You have to put faith in what God has done. But on the flip side of this coin, the same truth, just in a reverse way, Faith doesn't save you either. And you will hear people say that. And you'll hear people say, you just believe, you just put faith. It's faith that has saved you. Well, again, it's not wrong if you are emphasizing that it's not your works that has saved you. It's not your holiness that has saved you, but instead it's faith in what Jesus has done. It's not wrong if you're just making a, a reference to the emphasis that it has to be on faith that saves you. Matter of fact, over in the book of Romans... I mentioned this earlier in the week, but when I was talking about Martin Luther and how he got his revelation as he was crawling up the steps at the Vatican about uh, being saved by faith, it says over here in Romans chapter 3 and in verse 27, it says, Where is boasting then? It is excluded. By what law of works? Nay, but by the law of faith. Therefore, we conclude that a man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law. And so see right here in Scripture, it says that you are justified. The word justified means to be declared righteous, free from all of the guilt and the penalty that is attached to sin. And you are declared righteous through faith. So it's not wrong to say that you're saved by faith, but it's technically wrong if you say you are saved by faith alone. Because all faith does is appropriate what God has already provided by grace. There is, this in, there is this dependent relationship between grace and faith. If you ever get to where you just say, it's all about faith, it's all about what I do, well, then you are excluding God's grace. And I guarantee you, you do not get anything just based solely upon your faith. If God hasn't already provided it by grace, your faith can't make it happen. And so if you ever get to where you start emphasizing faith without emphasizing that faith just appropriates what God has already provided, then that faith is no longer faith. Instead, it's legalism, it's works, it's effort, it's an Old Testament mentality, and that's what Jesus came to set us free from. And I have met multitudes of people who are burned out because they have just emphasized and focused on everything that they must do, and they forgot the goodness and the grace and the mercy of God. But then on the other hand, there are people that will take the grace of God and they will talk about it and say that it's just sovereign. God just chooses what he wants to do. You can't control anything. It is all up to God. And that completely destroys our response of faith. I used this verse yesterday, Romans chapter 5, verse 2, that by faith we have access into the grace of God. God's grace that brings salvation has appeared unto all men, Titus 2.11. But not all men have the benefit of God's grace because they haven't accessed it by faith. It is grace and faith together. 
Grace is what God has done for us, independent of us. Faith is our response to what God has done for us. They have to be married together. They have to be combined in order to release their full power. Let me give you another example. Mark chapter 11, where Jesus was teaching about, you know, the fig tree. He had cursed the fig tree and it had withered away and his disciples were just shocked that this happened without him doing anything in the natural. He didn't put salt on it. He didn't cut it down. He didn't do anything. The fig tree just withered. And when they saw it, they were amazed. And here's how Jesus responded to them in Mark chapter 11 and in verse 23, he says, For verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. And then verse 24 is really, this is special right here. It says, Therefore I say unto you, What things soever you shall desire when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you shall have them. Now see, this is putting a responsibility upon us. You have to believe that you receive when you pray is what it says, not when you see it. See, there's a lot of people that just believe in the sovereignty of God and they believe that God is able to do anything, but they don't know what He's going to do. They don't believe the promises when He says, I wish above all things that you prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. They don't believe that's really God's will. When, I mean, it's just as clear as you can make it. I will. This is my will for you. I wish above all things that you prosper and be in health. And they'll say, well, we never know what God's will is. Yes, you do. He just revealed it. It is His will for you to prosper and be in health. And so they just say, well, God, I know you can do it. If it be your will, I ask you to heal me. And they will even think that that's what Jesus prayed. That is not what Jesus prayed. If you go over to the Gospels and look at his prayer in Gethsemane, he didn't pray and say, Lord, if it be your will. He said, Lord, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. In other words, he said, I hate this. I hate becoming sin. I hate taking all of the filthiness and defilement. Is there any other way? If there is, well, then let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. That was a prayer of submission, yielding his personal desire to his father's desire. That wasn't praying and saying, God, I don't know what your will is. And just let, you know, if your will, if it be your will, do this. That's totally a misapplication. You have to know what God's will is when you pray. Right here in Mark eleven twenty four, it says you have to pray and whatsoever things you desire when you pray, you have to believe that you receive them. This takes this questioning out of there. If you don't know what God's will is, then go to the Word, get scriptures that tell you what God's will is. And once you know what God's will is in the situation, then you pray and believe that you receive right then. But if you are praying and saying, oh God, whatever your will is, come to pass. That prayer is going to get you nowhere. You have to believe that you receive when you pray, not when you see it, but when you pray, and then you shall have it. See, this puts a responsibility upon us to believe God when we pray and believe that we received right then. Now, I have had people that have taken this exact verse 
And they have emphasized this responsibility that we have to believe, and then we will have whatsoever we desire. And they have taken this and completely divorced it, separated it from God's grace. And they just say that I'm going to believe this and I can make God move. That is wrong. I actually knew these people in Arlington, Texas. That's where I grew up. And there was a woman that started a quote-unquote Bible school. She just had a few people in it. And in this Bible school, this was one of their main scriptures. And this woman wanted to believe for a minister to be her husband. And it just so happened that this was a famous minister, a minister that was already married. But she took this verse and says, whatsoever things I desire. And me having this man for my husband is a desire. And so I claim him. And the way that he, she dealt with the fact that he was already married, she just cursed the wife and commanded the wife to die and to get removed from the picture. And then she was going to marry this man. And she even went as far as to have a wedding ceremony among her Bible college students and I think that she was wearing a wedding dress and they went through like a mock wedding. Of course, the groom wasn't there because he wasn't in agreement with this. But she based it upon this verse that whatsoever things I desire, when I pray, believe that I receive it and I have it. And so she believed for this famous minister to be her husband and she married him, quote unquote, in spirit and then just waited on the wife to die so that they could get together and be married. And of course, most people watching this program say, well, that's wrong. You shouldn't do that. Well, why not? Doesn't this say whatsoever things you desire? Can't you take this and say that desiring somebody else's mate is a whatsoever? Can't you take this and say that I desire to rob a bank and get away with a million dollars and not get caught? And I'm going to base it on Mark 11, 24. Whatsoever things I desire, this is my desire. So I believe that I receive it right now and I shall have it. I'm making this happen. See, most people watching this program, you sit there and say, no, that's wrong. Well, why is it wrong? Tell me why it's wrong. It doesn't it say whatsoever you desire. Isn't, isn't desiring to steal money and not get caught a whatsoever? Isn't desiring somebody else, else's mate as your husband a desire? Why is it wrong? Here's the reason that it's wrong. Because faith doesn't make God do anything. Faith doesn't move God. God is not, it's not like faith grabs God's arm and twists it and makes him move because God, you said right here, and so I desire this and I'm making you do it. Here's the answer. Faith only appropriates what God has already provided by grace. If God hasn't provided it by grace, your faith won't make it happen. Boy, that's huge. I think I said this earlier in the week, but it took me about 20 years to get all of this figured out and to say it. But that is huge right there. Faith only appropriates what God has already provided by grace. If His grace hasn't provided it, your faith can't make it happen. And this is why you can't take Mark eleven twenty four and believe for somebody else's mate and curse their mate and command them to die and then you're going to marry them afterwards. Because God didn't provide adultery and murder in His atonement. Grace never provided 
those things. Grace never provided for thievery and getting away with stealing a million dollars. That's why you can't take Mark 11, 24 and say, I confess with my mouth and believe in my heart that I'm going to rob a bank and get by with it. They can't catch me and I confess it and believe it according to Mark 11, 24. Because God did not provide thievery for you in His atonement. Faith doesn't make God do anything. God has already provided things for us through the atonement of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's grace. And all faith does is reach out and take what grace has already provided. Boy, that's huge. And see, when I saw this, then it took all the pressure off of me because at one time I thought that I had to make God move. I had to make God heal me. I had to make God bless me. I had to make God move. When I understood that God, through grace, has already moved, and since it's grace, all grace came through Jesus. It says that in uh, John chapter 1, that grace and truth came by Jesus Christ, that Jesus was full of grace. And then it says in John 1, 16, grace upon grace. And God has already released everything to us through His grace. And that grace came through Jesus 2,000 years ago, before you and I were born, before you and I had ever done anything good or bad, before we ever had a need. God already met the need through Jesus. Grace was released into the human race through Jesus. And if you need to be healed today, you are healed by Jesus' stripes. That happened 2,000 years ago in Herod's Judgment Hall. If you need to be saved today, that happened 2,000 years ago when Jesus was crucified. Whatever it is that you need, God's grace was, was released and provided through Jesus. And we do not have Jesus responding to our needs today. He has already anticipated those needs the grace of God has supplied the need before you ever had the need. And now all faith is. This, see, this takes all of the work and the pressure out of it. All faith is, is just my response, my positive response to what God has already provided by grace. All faith does is reach out and appropriate what God has already provided. And it, so it takes the pressure off of me. I'm not trying to get God to do something. I'm believing that He's already done it. And I'm resting in that. And I'm just standing in the grace of God by faith. I am saved by grace through faith. Not one or the other, but a combination of the two. I'm saved by what God did for me 2,000 years ago before I was ever born. And I am just putting faith in what He has already done. And man, it takes all of the struggle. Okay, so we're now on the east side of the parking garage. Behind me, you can see over here, this shows you how that it adjoins to our uh, auditorium that we've just finished and occupied. Now, all of the pavement on the inside of the parking garage is completely done. Around on the north side over there, you'll be able to drive around and it will go up, it'll slope up, and you'll be able to enter the parking garage on the second level up on the north side. And then if you continue to go around, there will be another entrance that's on the third level. 
So let's go around and I'll show you the opposite side of this, the third level and where you enter there. Okay, we're now on the third level of the parking garage. I'm standing on the island that separates the in and the out on the third level. This is the west side of our parking garage and they've got it closed up. They've got plastic over all of these windows and they've been heating this so that they can work in here. All of the 150 or so people that are on our phone center, all of our uh, 75 offices in CBC will be able to park on the third and the fourth level and enter there. And then the first and the second floor will be all for the students and they will go directly into the auditorium level. I just want to thank you and say that this is a modern day miracle what God is doing. I believe that God is blessing us and praise God the best is yet to come. Thank you for being a part of it. We'll give you an update in about a month's time. Andrew's complete series titled Living in the Balance of Grace and Faith is available as a live teaching on either DVD or CD or in a DVD set as seen on TV. You can also get this teaching as a book or study guide in either English or Spanish. Or you can get the Living in the Balance of Grace and Faith package, which includes your choice of either the CD or DVD album, the book and the study guide. This package has a catalog value of $85, but you can get it today for only $60. The first and second audio teachings in today's series are titled Grace and the Sovereignty of God and Grace Through Faith. They're available for a gift of any amount when you write or call. We encourage everyone to give, but if you're simply unable to afford it, Andrew and his partners will provide these two CDs free of charge. You can order resources or become a Grace Partner through our website at awmi.net. While there, you can discover more product details and download many free resources. Or call our helpline at 719-635-1111. If the lines are busy, remember, you can order ministry materials or become a Grace Partner 24 hours a day, 7 days a week at awmi.net. If you'd like to write us, use the address on your screen. I'd like to invite you to come to our 2019 Men's Advance. I'm going to have back James Brown and Tony Dungy. And these guys are just awesome. They've been with me the last year or two, and we have had a wonderful time. This is also the first time we will have used our brand new auditorium for the Men's Advance. I can guarantee you the ministry of myself, James Brown, and Tony Dungy will be great. Remember, that's March the 14th through the 16th at the Sanctuary in Woodland Park. God has a perfect plan for every person. God's plans are always better than your plans. If you're in the kingdom of God, then be in the kingdom of God. God has declared you to be righteous. This is training for reigning. I will come out victorious. Listen, guys, the cross of Christ is the power of God that's going to change people's lives. It's the message of the gospel. We need to tell people the good news. We need to tell people about what Jesus has done. I tell you, this is not what you're going to hear very often. Glory to God! Hallelujah!
If you do it the way the Word of God says, it produces freedom, period. You never know what's going to happen when you come to Summer Family Bible Conference. Uh, man, this is awesome. You can't miss it. Money back guarantee. Hello, this is Andrew Womack, and I'd like to encourage you to check out our Gospel Truth TV. You are going to be blessed, so check it out. It's 24-7, gospeltruth.tv.